0: The sun is shining in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hello again, everybody. This is Harry Carey. That's the most asinine marketing I've ever heard of. Live.
1: Ryan one, a deep left way back. It is gone. A three-run homer in the entertainment capital of the world. Didn't matter what the count was. It's the TC Martin Show. Time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Oh
0: my goodness. That's the longest home run to center field we have seen in this ball. TC Martin. Now in. Hour number two. Glad to have you with us here on this terrible Tuesday. Appreciate Houston Nut joining us. Talk a little college football last hour. Dr. Christina Madison is going to join us a little bit later on this hour as we talk a little NBA and the COVID vaccination fake cards. Just ask Evander Kane what that's all about. Crazy stuff here. Hour number two, Major League Baseball. Gets you up to date what's happening Dodger Stadium. The Dodgers lead the Braves 2-0. It could be a lot worse than that for the Braves right now. They're hanging around. Dodgers left the bases loaded in a first inning that seemed like it lasted about uh, 29 minutes. Dodgers batting forever, but left the bases loaded after scoring two runs. Uh, I believe Charlie Morton had four walks in that bottom of the first inning. But uh, the Dodgers only lead by two right now as uh, we head to inning number 3. All right, we got the ALD uh, rather ALCS tonight, game number 4, huge game for the Astros tonight. They are down 2 games to 1 after getting thumped again last night 12 to 3 by the Boston Red Sox. That's two games in a row. Games 2 and 3 where the Red Sox have uh put a hurt on the Astros. They win 9-5. Got ahead 9-nothing in game 2. Got ahead 9-nothing uh, last night as well too. So man, um, brutal, brutal. We'll see if, uh, they can bounce back, uh, tonight. So yes, this is the postseason, and here we are in the middle of October. All right. Joining us now, the former pitching coach and the course, the great uh, pitcher back in the day, author of a no, no. And he is uh, watching all of this baseball very contently from the confines of his beautiful home. I believe, uh, outside of Scottsdale, Arizona, Chris Bosio what's going on, Baz? What's up, TC? How you doing? I'm doing good, man. How you feeling? How you doing?
1: Good. Just sitting there watching the game and watched a huge turnaround in that first inning already.
0: Yeah, Crazy. yeah. Uh, what what's going on here, man? This this series with the Braves and the Dodgers is this is going to be one. It looks like it has seven games written all over it. it has a bunch of one run games written all over it, and if you know, we any indications, games one and two, what we saw take place, uh, pretty phenomenal. I mean, the Dodgers, I believe they outhit the Braves in, in both of those games. They came up one run short, and you figure, okay, this is a good spot for the Dodgers because you got Walker Buehler going, and they already got Charlie Morton, so it's going to be you know, a short day for him, obviously. But the Dodgers, uh, you know, don't know if they can put him away. What are your thoughts?
1: Never count the Dodgers out at home. Mm-hmm. That crowd's crazy right now. They got early runs and, you know, running into a double play in the first inning. If Atlanta gets on the board in the first inning, you know, it, it to me it might have been a little different. But as soon as uh, the double play happened off the bat on the line drive, I mean, the momentum switched. And then Seeger, I mean, this guy's starting to become a Dodger icon. I mean, he's one... I think he's a home run away from tying Justin Turner on the all-time home run list for the Dodgers.
0: That's crazy. I mean,
1: he, he hasn't even signed his big contract yet with the Dodgers. Right. You know, Turner, Turner's been around a little bit longer, but this kid is... I mean, is he just getting into his prime? And now he's, even, he's going to be a free agent. I mean, he, he might be the highest paid out of all of them mm-hmm. when it's all said and done.
0: Mm-hmm. Boz, in this series, with a lot of Dodger series we see managerial madness as i like to call it uh the mistakes and i want to go back to the dodgers getting to this series where they go 5 games against the giants you have a you know couple of 107 wins teams battling each other how crazy it is and then you got you know one of them the division champs the giants they go out uh you know before they even get to the you know you know, get to the championship series here it's crazy that We see Dave Roberts pull this move again. You go ahead and you pitch Max Scherzer in game five for 13 pitches, and then you're going to expect to pitch him two days later to have him start in a game. And then you bring Urias uh, out of the bullpen as well. You got two great starters, two guys that have been your starters that have carried the, the, the load pretty much with Clayton Kershaw being injured, and now you want to burden these guys out in relief appearances in the division series. This doesn't make any sense to me. Please help me out here.
1: I, I'm with you. I, I, just, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, you got Blake Trinan, who might be, is possibly the nastiest eighth inning guy in all of baseball and has been for the last couple of years. And then you got a guy down there by the name of Kenley Jansen who all of a sudden now is throwing 96-97 again. But yet you're going to take a 20-game winner and you're going to, put, you're going to bring him out of the bullpen in, in a role he's not used to. And I, look, we've, we've, I've played in a playoff, I've coached in a playoff. Urias is not that kind of guy like a Randy Johnson that you could bring in late in the game. You know, he doesn't have overpowering strikeout stuff like Trinan does. That's why I don't understand it. If we're, if we're talking about, uh, you know what, I, don't, I can't even imagine who we could put in that spot that would and would be nastier and be more accustomed to that spot than Trinan, who's pitched there for the last three years for the Dodgers. It doesn't make sense.
0: It doesn't make any sense. I mean, think about this. You get... Max Scherzer. And remember when it happened, we talked about this. Like, well, just, hey, that's it. Mail it in. Give it to the Dodgers. The Nats basically gave him away. They threw in Trey Turner, the shortstop. Like, what are you doing here? And Max Scherzer with already arguably probably the best team in baseball, and now he's going to, you know, he's, he's there. But you get Max Scherzer, not for June, not for July. You certainly don't get him to come in relief, but you get him for October. And you get him to start game one or four or seven or maybe all three if it all works out that way, right? You get this guy for October and then he comes in out of the pen and then you burn him out and then you hear him say, I got a dead arm. I just don't understand the mismanagement here of one of the premier pitchers in Major League Baseball. He's not a reliever. And here's the thing for me, Boz, it's like, Why do managers, and it's not everybody, because we don't see Dusty do this, why do managers get away from what they do for 162 games during the course of the regular season, and then all of a sudden they go out of their mind, and they do stuff that you normally don't, you would never think of doing, you haven't done it one time during the regular season, but you do it in the postseason? Why does this happen?
1: I don't know. I... (laughs) I, I I I would really like to know, and I, I was trying to think back in, like, the 80s, you know, and w- when I first started coming up and watching some of the playoff games back then, you know, even with the Yankees, when they, when they went on their run, uh, their bullpen was pretty much set. You know, we knew who was going to be getting the ball in the seventh, eighth, and the ninth inning. You know, we we knew Wedland was back then when Mariano Rivera was coming, you know. And then the Chapman, the Chapman era. I mean Eckersley era. I mean, for for what we've seen in the last, I don't know, seven to ten years, with some of these starting pitchers going in and pitching in the in the bullpen, is Max Scherzer ever going to be the same again? Go now ahead, I know man. he's at the end of his career, and everybody's like, well, of course he's not going to be the same. Well, you know what? I think this took a lot more out of Max Scherzer than even Max would probably let on to believe.
0: No, I agree. And it's just frustrating to watch, especially when you got a superior talent like a Shearzer and even Urias. I mean, this guy has been rock solid for the Dodgers as a starter. And then, like you said, you got to know your personnel and you've got to know the guys that you got. Okay, this guy, I can't bring him in. Uh, in the middle of an inning, okay. If I'm going to bring him in, then he has to come in clean, like maybe in the seventh or the ninth or the tenth or something like that. You know, even if he's not used to to being a reliever, you've got to try to emulate, you know, something that's that he's done for his, his entire career, right? And I'm sure you have had this, uh, you know, dealing with stuff like this before. I mean, you just can't say, okay, next guy up, this is the guy. No, you've really got to be careful on when you bring in these, these guys in relief, don't you? I mean, it's just not, uh, you know, it's really calculated. And I think I, I really want you to explain that to people.
1: You know, you know, I can give you some insight in the Cubs series when we were playing Cleveland. Okay. We're in game seven. Kyle Hendricks, I felt the whole time was a great matchup. And I always loved Kyle behind John Lester and Jake Arrieta. And I've told you this in the story many times. We had had an 18-game winning streak with those three guys pitching back-to-back-to-back. So when we were able to line those guys up, and even when we were down in the World Series, there might have been a little bit of doubt. But I've seen it happen so many times in the year once we got to John. If we got through Jake, I knew we were we were good in that last game. And sure enough, we're talking to the game plan, and you know, and all the different scenarios. All right, who who'd we go to if Kyle gets hit early? Okay, well, maybe we go to Montgomery to neutralize some of their left-handed bats. All right, what do we do if Kyle's cruising? At what point, you know? And this was this was Joe Madden. At what point? Do, are we considering taking Kyle out? I go, well, if Kyle's cruising, why are we considering take him out? But this, this is how Joe even thought. Oh, yeah. And part, part of the plan was when we were going to bring in John Lester and David Ross. Well, the problem is that David Ross, I mean, veteran guy, he needs some time to get loose just like John Lester does. So the whole plan was try to bring these guys in in a clean inning. So that means John Lester wouldn't have to worry about picking anybody off.
0: Right. David Ross
1: wouldn't have to worry about blocking any balls or throwing anybody out. Well, what happens? Close pitch uh, on a strike three. Next guy got a base hit. The next thing we know, we had John Lester warming up, getting ready for the next inning. Well, the inning lasted a little bit longer, and Joe goes to me, Kyle Reddy, and I go, how Reddy, he? Got sixty-seven pitches. <laughs> he goes. He goes. I think I want to go to. I think I want to go to John right here. He go. I go. There's a guy at first base, and the whole plan. I mean, I'm talking. Yeah. Theo Epstein was in there. Jed Hoyer was in there. The bullpen coach was in there. The next thing I know, he goes, "Let him know where he's coming in." And at that time, we brought in John Lester and David Ross. And what happened? Base hit.
0: Not good. You know.
1: Curve. Curved ball, wild pitch, two-run score. And the next thing you know, our, our lead is cut in half. A four-run lead is down to two. And then everybody knows, you know, you're, you bring in Chapman. What you don't know is that David, after that breaking ball hit off his head, Rossi wouldn't call any more breaking balls. Oh, wow. Yeah. And when Rajay hit that home run, That was after 11 straight fastballs that Chapman threw. And I go out to the mound, and Chapman's tearing up because he's so emotionally. Well, the next guy, he walked. And I go out to the mound, and I say, guys, if you don't throw a breaking ball, this this game's over. You have to throw a breaking ball. You have to throw a breaking ball, please. It's the only way we'll get out of the inning. And I'm not saying I'm the reason why he struck him out, but... Joppy threw a great breaking ball with two strikes. We got out of the inning. And the next thing you know, the reins came down. And my, my point of this, TC, is stuff like this. It's amazing that how managers sometimes can overcome these things and still survive. Right. And we've, we've seen a couple of these already in the playoffs. And we're, we're not even to the World Series yet, which are basically could be season ending decisions. This one right here, I, I, I can't believe what I was seeing because this guy's had opportunity after opportunity after opportunity to be in this spot. And I'll say it: what if what if they had a manager that was maybe a little more competent about running the pitching staff? Where would the Dodgers be then?
0: Yeah, I I totally agree with you. And again, we've seen this with Dave Roberts before. It doesn't make any sense, you know, whatsoever. And before you told that story, and again, you're right, I've heard it several times and enjoyed enjoy it every time that you you tell it because it gives a pure insight on what happens between manager and pitching coach relationship, how other people have opinions, and the guy who's probably the most qualified to make that decision is you in this case, the pitching coach, because you're the guy spending all that time with these guys. You know who your starters should be, who your relievers should be, you know, when you can bring guys in in the middle of an inning, when you can get away with it, when you can't, and then when never, you know, to do it. And you know that. And it just goes to show, you know, so I was going to say before we started this part of the conversation is, you know who we blame for all this? We blame, I don't want to say your boy because <laughs> it's Joe Madden. It is Joe Madden because I've been saying this forever he he's the guy that wants to be cute he wants to be the guy that's avant-garde and then kevin cash from tampa bay just took the joe man strings there and says hey I, I, I like the way joe did that i'm gonna do that and then now people think he's a genius and then now dave roberts has got a hold of that so in last year's world series <laughs> and remember, us, remember us talking about this we got these yeah. two goofballs these two goofballs yeah. that are trying to be too cute and then we got we got me and you talking about it. We got Steve Sachs, another one of our regular baseball guys, and just drives us all nuts because it is so unnecessary. Don't out outsmart yourself. Don't overthink the damn thing. And then here we are with Roberts, with of all guys, Max Scherzer. When you got Max Scherzer, it was game set match, and now it could be match out. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Could be. Could
1: be. I mean, you know, I I remember when I did get let go by the Cubs, and I knew that they wanted to go as a more, you know, analytical side of front office and the coaches. And, you know, and, and Eric Hinsky got let go. Myself, John Mabel got let go. Now Lester Strode, the bullpen coach, is gone. And we, we all of us, have talked this winter, and none of us have any desire to get back in the game because of where the game is going. It's not, and Christopher Russo had a great segment on, and I don't watch it very often, but today, he nailed it. You know, how in the world can you let these guys who have never played the game, have no feel for the game, but yet... They they're awarded a seat right next to the manager and telling the manager what to do in the game more than his coaches and his players do. Know. How is that possible? This is where the game has gone. It's, it really has, and it's it's sad because it's not decided on the field anymore. And everybody's like, "Well, yeah, yeah, it is." It's not, guys. It's it's decided up in the suites or like in a closet right next to a suite where you got a, a, a kid that's a, an intern popping out numbers, somebody sees it and goes, well, nobody's ever looked at this before. Maybe we have something. Maybe. right? Decisions are maybe now. And that's what really sucks is because the players and the fans, I mean, we deserve so much more. right? We really do.
0: The idea of the opener, and I hate that term, the opener. Oh. I mean, wh- where... Does it come from, and why do, and again, it's it's a copycat situation. You know, thing, I, I just don't understand it, boss. Because you know the, that guy who does, is the opener, he's not one of your aces. He's usually a middle relief guy or a mop up guy, and we're going to say, hey, we're going to trust you to you know to take on the first inning, maybe the first two innings, and then what it does, it just blows out the rest of your bullpen. So if that's what I don't understand on on why the bigger people can't see the bigger picture here on that, that it really doesn't work.
1: You know, the problem that I have with it is there the numbers are always going to sway toward the guy that like you said who's the extra reliever down there because there's not a big sample size against these guys. There's not a lot of guys who are openers that have really had any success after they became openers? And really, this year there's only one guy. The Brewers made a trade when they got their their shortstop from Tampa Bay, and Rasmussen, the, the reliever they got in return. This guy was pitching five innings by the end of the year, and he got sent down to AAA after the trade. And I'm like, wait, this this is the same guy? And I looked it up. He's the only guy in the last four years that has pitched more than three innings as an opener. There's only one other guy, a left-handed pitcher on their team, and I can't remember his name right now, who did exactly the same thing, who became one of their starters this year. But the opener, all it's designed to do is get past the fifth hitter. That's all it's designed to do is to roll that lineup over. So now the starter may potentially you know, start the game by facing – the 6th hitter. Now the 6th hitter really becomes the leadoff guy for that starter. That's the whole premise behind the whole thing.
0: And that's what we saw Roberts do with Urias. It's like, well, we're going yeah, to exactly. bring him in the 2nd. We're going to bring him in the 3rd. Well Wait wait, a minute. And we, and we hope to, to get him to the 6th of the 7th. It's like, you could get him to the 6th of the 7th if he starts. Because that's what he's accustomed to doing, and he is your best option. It just it blows my mind. And of course, it didn't work out for him. Uh, that, well, I, would
1: love to, I would love to really hear how it went down and how this thing, like, you know, I said with Joe and right. everybody else, how this was planned out. Did they play it by script? Because we didn't. And mm-hmm. trust me, I know that if we played it by script, the results would have been different. But because we put David Ross and John Lester in a position that we told them we would never do, now everybody's on the bench. And and all our coaches are like going, uh, what the hell just happened? Mm-hmm. What I thought we discussed this. And you got Theo Epstein up in the stands going, what the hell's going on? Why did – it was Joe's call.
0: Yep. Chris Bosio joins us. All right, boss tonight, ALCS game number four, Astros, Red Sox. We know that both teams got plenty of offense, but it seems like we're seeing a lot of it from the Red Sox in, in these last couple games. You know, the nine runs in game two, uh, 11 or 12 runs, you know, last night in game number three, Uh how do the Astros turn this thing around?
1: Grinky's gonna have to have a magic wand. That's that's, that's He's hard have to, to
0: imagine. You know, it can happen. I it's it's He's uh, gonna
1: well you asked me and I yeah, Grinky's right. gonna have to pull the magic wand out. He's gonna have to pitch back backwards from the first pitch. These this team right now is hunting the fastball and they keep on talking about these this these guys hit the breaking ball so good. Well, I haven't seen it. Maybe the numbers might be good, but I haven't seen it. And you got the perfect guy to test it in Grinke tonight.
0: Yeah, if Grinke is right, but he hasn't been right uh, for quite some time. I mean, here's the guy that was the opening day starter. He has, the, you know, the biggest contract of the pitchers, and it's funny that you know this guy's not even in your starting rotation when you get to the postseason, and deservedly so because the guy for the better part. You know was injured for a while, but then he's when he's come back i mean he's just been so hittable so you know I understand why why dusty didn't didn't put him in uh the starting rotation, but then again, I understand why he has to put him in there today and you're hoping that hey you get a vintage grin Grinke, you get to uh, you know the wily veteran that can come in here and and pitch in a hostile environment and and he can make these free swingers miss that's that's what you hope for, and we'll see if that works out but here's here's the thing that people are missing with this this Astros-Red Sox series, Lance McCullers was your guy. He's been having a fantastic year. He was your number one guy. You are hoping to get him to go you know, at least twice, you know, maybe even three times. But because he got injured in that fourth game against the White Sox, now he's done. Same thing with Garcia. Garcia has been really phenomenal for the most part for the Astros. Uh, and then he gets injured. He's been battling a knee injury that he really hasn't said too much about. And then that comes to fruition there in game number two. So you lose those two guys. And Jake Myers, who was having a great season, you know, once he got brought up, you know, from the minors, he's your center fielder. He gets injured in that game four against the White Sox. So all of a sudden, there are these two or three components missing from this Astros lamp, and no one really realizes. How damaging that can be because they're subtle, because it's not Altuve, it's not Bregman, it's not Correa, it's not Alvarez, not Tucker. You know what I'm saying? But it has these effects, especially with a young Astros pitching staff.
1: Yeah. You know, you're you're gonna the only way the Astros are gonna win tonight if it's it's a it's an eleven to five or eleven to six game. Mm-hmm. It's the only way. They're gonna have to put up, you know, double digits and just and slug with them because it's not going to be a 3 to 1 game. You can forget that. Right. Right. So it's it's going to be a slug fest. I expect a lot of fireworks, you know, and uh we'll see. You know, this is what this is what Houston does though. You know that. These guys are these guys are battle tested and it's not the it's not the last time they ran up against a hot team. Remember the Yankee series a couple of years ago.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. No, they thrive in, in these situations, and that's what Dusty always says too. Because these guys are pros. Even if they go like to a two or three or four game losing streak during the course of the regular season, they're not flustered. They get it. They've been on the big stage before. So no, I I it would not surprise me at all. You know, like I said, they even this thing back up at two two tonight. Again, advantage back to the Astros because two of the next three will be you know back. In Houston, you know, just being there last weekend, man, it was, you know, I was really, I don't want to say I was surprised, but I was glad. I was glad that the, I got a chance to really to see that fan base in that crowd in games like that. I mean, game one was, was fantastic. the come from behind win for Houston. Uh, But then the, in game two, when they had the, you know, the two grand slams, this crowd boss, they weren't leaving. It was nine nothing, no. and they and they they're standing on their feet, still acting like, "Hey, we got a shot." And then the Astros scored five unanswered. It was like nine to five. They're on their feet in the ninth inning. The guy gets on. It's like, "Hey, we still got a shot." And my point of this is. That with so many ballparks you go to, uh, Dodger Stadium is a perfect example. And you said earlier in the conversation, yeah, it's a great place; the crowd goes crazy. But we've seen these these fans bail out in the sixth or the seventh inning or whatever. Here in Houston, I mean, there's a lot of history there with this with this ball club with these fans. And I don't think you know. Obviously, it's not Cubs, Yankees, Red Sox that kind of lore. But man, there is a lot of rich tradition there with Houston. And these fans, they're smart and, and they're passionate.
1: And they're they're used to winning. I mean, you're not talking about a slouch franchise. They've won five years in a row. Right. You know, and that's that's impressive, especially with you know, some of the battles that they've had during during the COVID, losing some big free agents. I mean, this is when they lost Garrett Cole too. Right. You know, this 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 organization's overcome a lot, losing Alvarez did double knee surgery last year. Wait a minute. We just said they won five in a row. How is that possible?
0: Right. right. Because
1: they've got depth. They've done it the right way. You know, but i I tell you, the offense, they're going to be testing tonight, buddy. They got to they come through for Dusty. So, I'd look for Houston to look for a crooked number in that first inning tonight. Mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and uh, the Bats will have to get on track, especially guys like with Bregman and, and Cray. I've got to get on track tonight. Good stuff. All right, uh, final thing here before I let you go. Uh, we saw the Cardinals and the Padres fire their managers this past week. Philosophical differences there with Mike Schilt in, in, San, uh, rather in St. Louis and then Jace Tingler there in San Diego. Uh, I know you know these guys pretty well here, and you've seen this situation. It's, it's crazy. Here are two teams that – you know played pretty well know the Padres did not live up to expectations but the Cardinals all they did is what win 17 in a row got themselves back into the conversation got themselves into a uh, uh, a one and done playoff game and then here a few days later the manager's gone what's going on man
1: I don't know I same kind of thing I I don't get it you got these two guys and San Diego and Tengler overcame so much so much same thing with Shelton St. Louis, and all I've heard about Shields is that he's he's a, he's a he's a player's manager. He just lets his guys play. The veteran guys love playing for this guy. This is a reason why John Lester and Hap wanted to go play with St. Louis. These guys, are, these are ten and five guys. They can they can say yes or no to any trade, but they're like, no, we want to go there because we've heard great things about not only St. Louis but their manager. Mm-hmm. And then you've got other organizations. And I'll say it, Baltimore. You're telling me that that's the best Baltimore can do.
0: <laughs> oh, there are yeah. so
1: many teams out there that need help, and then you let these two guys go, and San Diego got crushed with injuries. So I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't even want to guess because they keep talking about veteran managers now in San Diego. I, I don't, I don't believe anything I, I read anymore. It's probably going to be some coach from a ball that. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a great story. I
0: don't know. And Aaron, I don't know. Aaron Boone gets a three-year extension, but the rest, rest of his staff is not going to come back. And then Steinbrenner says, well, we believe in Aaron Boone, but you know, as an organization, we've got to do better. And it seems like you know, it was just a matter of time before Boone was gone. And a very streaky you know, season you know, for the Yankees. Of course, the highest payroll in baseball. Uh, thoughts real quick about Aaron Boone's staying? And not only staying, but, but getting a three-year
1: extension. That's the big talk, is how do you get the third year with a club option for a fourth? And you know why? It's because of that, hey, we're going to have to make some changes to make it look good because it's just it's not good enough. Okay. Well, I think that's exactly what happened in St. Louis. Is They wanted to make changes. And Schoen was like, no, we, we've done great things here the last couple of years. You can't change my staff. One thing I got to have the call on, and they're like, "Well, you don't make changes, and we're going to change you." That's what I think happened.
0: Right, crazy stuff. All right, the Braves have uh, come back here and they've uh, tied the game at two, and kind of going back to what we said earlier on. Man, Dodgers needed to. To score more in that first inning, they didn't let the Braves uh, right back in it, and it's just a matter of time, probably, that Dave Roberts becomes Dave Roberts here again. And I'm just wondering how long he's going to go <laughs> with Bueller. Seriously, right? I mean, just,
1: I know, you know? Uh, Their young center fielder up, oh, blue pit, another run in two two. Yeah. The center fielder, the Wisconsin kid, dropped a. Uh, it was a deep pop up to right center, but he, he dropped it. Yeah. And now it's 2-2 with two guys on, one guy out. There Unbelievable. All
0: right, brother, we'll let you get back to it. Uh, great stuff. Appreciate the insight as always, man. Uh, be good, stay healthy, and we'll talk to you very, very soon, man, as we talk more postseason baseball with Boz here in the next uh, couple weeks, man. All right, you guys, take care. Take care, brother. There he is, Chris Bazio, former pitcher, pitching coach, Chicago Cubs, got that World Series ring coming up on that. Anniversary. You got a five-year anniversary coming, boss here coming up very, very, very soon here. Next couple uh, days. We'll be celebrating that. All right, we bad to the bone. Who's got a fake COVID card? <laughs> Nunchuck raises his hand. Shame on you. Dr. Christina Madison joins us next. <laughs> Check out his big stethoscope. Or not,
1: it's the Dr. TC Martin.
0: Don't forget, come on, join us Friday at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, 2 to 4 p.m., of course. Our best bet segment. We'll be breaking it all down for you. Three best college plays and NFL plays. On fire! The crew's been on fire. Check us out this Friday at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas inside the sportsbook. Powered by William Hill. And, of course, use that promo code TC50 to get $50 free dollars into your account when you deposit into a brand new account. That's right. Deposit 50. They'll match it with an additional $50. There it is. Double it up. Have some fun. Watch uh, the games. uh, Bet the games where you watch the games. All right? Fight the long lines of the sports book. Watch it from home. Anywhere in the great state of Nevada the William Hill Sportsbook, go to the Cosmopolitan Las Vegas, deposit into a brand-new account, get that bonus, TC50, the promo code there. All right. One of my favorite songs. You know that? That, that was uh, in our music show. Yeah. Dr. John, bring on Dr. Christina Madison. What's up, girl? Hey. It's been too
2: long, TC.
0: It's been too long. Have you missed me? I have, actually. Oh, it's sweet.
2: But luckily, I have social media to keep me warm at
0: night. <laughs> this is true. Huh? So you can see all my food pictures, right? Because
2: you've been super active on social. Yeah. A lot of food pics, a lot of you in front of amazing stadiums, and just awesomeness.
0: Well, thank you for, for watching and following and, and commenting. I appreciate that. I really do.
2: Well, I encourage your listeners to as well. Yes. You've got a lot of good content.
0: Thank you. See, and she is the social media queen, Dr. Christina Madison, known as the public health pharmacist. She is the queen of it all. All right. So how you feeling? How you doing? Um, you still stabbing people on a regular basis?
2: Absolutely.
0: There you go. <laughs> there
2: you go. It's my, it is my pleasure. <laughs> um... yeah no, I mean we're you know there's a lot going on with covid right now uh you know we're all of us within the public health space are kind of anxiously awaiting what the you know the advisory committee on immunization practices that's supposed to meet later on this week is going to decide about booster doses um, for Johnson & Johnson and then for the Moderna vaccine and then whether or not they're going to authorize the Pfizer vaccine for children down to the age of five. So, you know, big stuff happening with COVID. Um, Obviously, a lot of, you know, things in the news right now Related to people not wanting to be vaccinated, especially in sports Mm -hmm. lately. Which is, I think, why you wanted me to come on today.
0: (laughs) No no doubt. But I also wanted to say, you know, breaking news. That it's it's Pharmacist Week. That's right. Right?
2: It is. See? How do I know that? (laughs) Because you watch my social media.
0: (laughs) This is true. (laughs) No doubt. (laughs) All right. Evander... Kane, San Jose Sharks, he's not a right. well-liked person at all by Vegas Golden Knights fans. Okay, this guy, he's, uh, he's had some problems, don't like his demeanor, but now this guy gets suspended for 21 games. Why? Nothing that he's done on the ice because he tried to pass off a fake COVID vaccination card this just blew me away and kudos to the nhl for coming down on this saying what are you doing no you're suspended this guy can't play till november 30th um yep what are your thoughts when you hear about athletes doing this or anyone doing this
2: well it makes me sad first and foremost because ultimately the only person that he's really hurting is himself because he's increasing his chances of getting sick you know we the cdc just released like how much more likely you are to be hospitalized and potentially you know, have serious complications from COVID. If you're unvaccinated, you're 11 times more likely to get hospitalized and have complications versus if you're unvaccinated, you're six times less likely to be hospitalized and have complications with COVID-19. So it's really sad because I feel like he's doing himself a, a disservice, but he's also doing his team a disservice, right? By trying to pass off this you know, this fake card. Um, And and ultimately, really what I think it comes down to, because I really looked at the policy um, in detail, is that it seems like he just didn't want to deal with the financial penalty and having to do the additional screenings and testing, as well as if they were in contact with somebody, they automatically had to forfeit playing, which meant they automatically had to forfeit being paid. Mm -hmm. So, you know really what it boils down to is just be honest, right? Like, because now the poor guy can't play until November 30th, which I think if you calculate it, it means he's going to miss a quarter of all regular season games. I mean, that's insane for something that, like, he literally could have gone to his local pharmacy and gotten the vaccine. Like, it just doesn't make any sense.
0: He is forfeiting $1.68 million of his $7 million contract. Yes,
2: That's insane. Yeah. Do you know how much things I could do with that money? Do you know how many people I could vaccinate with that
0: money? I thought you were going to (laughs) say, you know, how many shoes you can buy, a pair of shoes you could buy, and how many how many vacations you could go on, and how much fancy dancy food that you can eat with your, you know, uh, octopus and whatever other creatures under the sea that you know delicacies.
2: I do like octopus. But no. That wasn't where I was going with this. It was more just this thought process of like how many people right? we
1: could be helping no, you're
2: right. with the money that this man is forfeiting because he's he was choosing to gain the system. Right. But the thing is, what's worse is that he was able to access this and purchase this card, right? Like because there's a market for it. That I think is the worst part of this is that there is an entire you know underground black market for these like fake vaccination cards and by the way i don't know if you've seen some of them they misspell covid like <laughs> multiple times right like it's 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 absurd and so kudos to the nhl for making sure that they confirmed his vaccine status like i don't know what the tell was but i mean if it was one of these cards where covid was misspelled i mean kudos to them for making sure that they kept him you know
0: On the up and up. How does one even get a a fake COVID vaccination card?
2: Google it. You can get it anywhere on the internet, honey.
0: Oh, wow. Wow. That's insane. Dr. Christina Madison joins us. Can this be considered an unlawful action? Is that against the law to do that? Is there anything in place No, so it
2: is, actually. Okay. Yeah, so having a fa- – like falsifying mm-hmm. um, the, the vaccine card is considered to be a crime, yeah. oh. especially if you knowingly did it and were involved in the procurement of the falsified documents.
0: So how come we're not hearing now is this a state by state thing a federal thing or what's the deal with that So
2: I think it depends on whether or not they want to prosecute but um you know the the DOJ has said that if you are found to be someone that is knowingly going out and, and just you know giving out these cards or charging for them I think that's the difference it's not so much the purchasing but if you're the one supplying the cards and then getting reimbursed for them I think that's where they're planning to prosecute but DOJ has said that that's you know that that is a crime because you're falsifying a federal document
0: alright well uh, Nunchuk, uh, he he's already in the process there uh you showed me uh you can buy ten for eight dollars and ninety nine cents. These are not CDs. This is not your club that uh you know, your publisher's house clearing or whatever Columbia House of Music. No, ladies and gentlemen. Ten for eight ninety nine. Get your fakes vax cards now. Unbelievable, you're absurd. Right. Absurd it is. Insane in the membrane. You remember that song, don't you? Of course. Okay. Got no brain got
2: insane. <laughs> You think I'm? Um, I think you think I'm younger than I am.
0: No, not that. Just you know, most people don't think that doctors are hip. You know what I'm saying? Uh, see, but yeah, you know, but I, I agree. I, but I, I
2: am. Mispe- I am here to dispel that rumor.
0: That's right. A little insane in the membrane. I love that. Yeah, yeah. We use that one every every now and then.
2: So, TC, I have a question for you. What's up with this Washington State football coach getting fired?
0: Hold on, I, I'm jamming right now. You have to call me back later. Hold on. Yeah. Oh, what you want to talk sports now? Is that what you're trying to say?
2: I thought that's why you asked me here.
0: <laughs> I don't know. See, I, I just go, I just do that. I get a little insane in the membrane, and then you know my DJ over here will start playing music, and and then uh, we start uh, reverting.
1: And now for something completely different.
0: (laughs) Yes, Nick Rolovich, the former coach at Hawaii, gets the job for the big money, goes to Washington State, goes to the Pac-12, and Nick Rolovich fired, gone, along with several of his assistants. Why? Not for performance, because the Cougars suck no because he doesn't want to get vaccinated. So this goes back to I guess my question about the different protocols in different states. The the and when you work for a what a public institution for the state there of Washington, they're saying if you're not going to get vaccinated, you're gone. We don't want you. You're not going to be employable with us. What are your thoughts about that?
2: Well, I mean I think I've said this before, but, you know, being vaccinated isn't just good public health, you know, policy. It's good business policy, because if you've got your main people out because they are sick or ill or they've had a close contact, that now means that it's going to hit your bottom line. Right. Because you can't have that person available and now your consistency factor goes away. And so I think it really just comes down to a business sense. And if you can't, um, you know, if you can't have that presence that you are there for the health and safety of your own players, what does that say for you as a franchise? What does that say for you as a university? Because all of those players have to be vaccinated, right? Because they are, you know, they're all enrolled in classes Mm -hmm. and they all have to be vaccinated to go to school. So what does that say? If your coaching staff and your support staff are refusing to be vaccinated and potentially putting those players, you know, careers at jeopardy if they were to get sick because you got them sick because you choose to be unvaccinated. Mm -hmm. So again, I don't think this is just good public health policy. I think this is good business sense because you said he went there for the big money. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, these the boosters, the alumni, they, they don't want to have a game be canceled because one of their players got COVID because their coach decided to choose to be unvaccinated and asymptomatically spread it to one of their players. Mm-hmm. Sweet mother of God, what is the
0: holdup? Unbelievable. Get vaccinated. Plain and simple. NBA, we've talked about the WNBA before, and they got out in front of this. You know, wanting all their players vaccinated, the NBA wants their players vaccinated, but of course, they're going to be those guys like Kyrie Irving who refuse. I mean, he's gone very public with this. Team says they do not want him until he complies with the state requirements. And I, you know, you know, kudos for the Brooklyn Nets here by saying that hey, you're not coming back, and I uh, uh, applaud organizations that say hey if, if you're not going to do this then we don't want you but uh you know again we're over here on the west coast and i don't think a lot of people fully understand what takes place in new york or understand you know what their requirements are but you know again what is wrong with these athletes who are just you know at this point in time just still refusing so a couple
2: things um first and foremost um they don't have a choice it's it's New York state law that you have to be vaccinated if you're in an indoor space, like that you have to show proof of vaccination to get into a bar, to get in a restaurant. So they don't have a choice. Like they can't make an exception for this guy. Right. So that's first and foremost. And I think it's because of how, you know, how terribly they were hit at the beginning of the pandemic, they were, you know, ground zero in March, April of 2020. And they lost, I don't know, countless residents from COVID. And this was pre-Delta and it just spreading like wildfire. So they have a very good understanding of why it's so important to make sure that everybody's either vaccinated or masked. So with that being said, Um, you know, it's an interesting thing of who has chosen to kind of be very public about why they want to be unvaccinated. But I will say the thing that has been sort of a consistent, you know, presence is that a lot of these individuals have posted a lot of anti-vax, you know, messaging on their social media, as well as, you know, things with, conspiracy theories about the vaccine and that it, you know, potentially could impact their fertility or, uh, you know, could uh, impact their performance or, you know, there's all kinds of different things that are out there, but really what's at the heart of this is I think misinformation. Mm -hmm. And when our, you know, surgeon general came out earlier this year and said that misinformation is a public health threat and it is directly a threat against us being able to get past this pandemic. I agree wholeheartedly. And this is the result of it. The reason why you're seeing this is because these people's heads have been filled with misinformation and they unfortunately are are like, they can't be unprogrammed. Right. And so it's like, even within their best interest, like this dude losing money, you know, every minute, and you still see him sticking to this false, sense of security that somehow he's you know having a stand against the vaccine when really the only person he's hurting is himself
0: are you surprised that we're still getting this from people not just athletes but people in general the reluctance and everything
2: no because i mean look at the the issue that they're having in chicago with like over a third of their police force that won't be vaccinated and covid19 is the number one leading cause of death for police officers did you know that and these people are still refusing to get vaccinated. It's because of the misinformation, and it's because of where they're choosing to get their facts. And it's because they are being bombarded with all of this information that is saying that the vaccine is evil, the vaccine is bad, it was you know, developed too quickly, it's mind control. they're going to microchip you, all of these things that are completely false and have been debunked multiple times by reputable sources. But if you continue to get your facts from the same place and you keep getting fed the same conspiracy theories, it's really hard for you to break that cycle.
0: What do we know now in comparison to, say, six or eight months ago as far as the vaccine?
2: That billions of doses have been administered all over the world and they're safe and effective and that it's the difference between life or death. And almost all of the people who have died in the last six months, it was completely preventable. 99.5% of people who have been hospitalized and died from COVID have been unvaccinated.
0: There it is. Get vaccinated, people. Get vaccinated. Pull up your pants. Take off the bra and be a man. There you go. (laughs) Just like Christina Madison would say.
2: Uh, That's that's a new one for me, but sure. (laughs)
0: Follower? I don't
2: normally ask people to drop trowel.
0: <laughs> well, you do give shots, but, well. Not there. <laughs> All right. Tell everyone where they can follow you, my dear. You
2: can follow me at your social media du jour at the <laughs> Public Health Pharmacist, uh, and you can find me at my website, thepublichealthpharmacist.com, dot com, or you can just Google me because yeah. I'm all over the internet. She's so, Google. Most important, yes.
0: She's Googleable. <laughs> most she's...
2: importantly. On the T.C. Martin Show. Yeah. That's where you can find me. She's visible.
0: She's audible. So the here. Mundo. Audible here on this show, visible on every news channel in town and everywhere else, and fantastic job, and I guess she's out in the public at uh, uh, awards dinners, functions, charity functions. Uh, you're doing everything, and we appreciate everything that you do. I know people appreciate everything that you, uh, that you do in this community as well, my dear. So fantastic. Always love having you on and, and talking with you and appreciate the friendship as well.
2: Absolutely. Thank you so much. And as soon as that Johnson & Johnson and Moderna booster dose recommendation comes out, I will be happy to come back and tell people where they can go to get their booster. A little birdie told me that it's most likely going to be mix or match. So you can literally go to any pharmacy or any pop-up clinic and just tell them you need a booster and you could probably get Moderna or Pfizer or Johnson & Johnson for that matter. So we're trying to make it as easy as
0: possible for people. Great stuff. Great stuff. All right. Appreciate you, Dr. Madison. We will talk to you soon.
2: Absolutely. You guys have a fantastic day.
0: Right. Thank you. Thank you. Great stuff from Dr. Christina Madison. And again, talking about the Vander Kane situation, ridiculous, uh, fake COVID card. Kyrie Irving, uh, state of New York saying, come on, you're not playing. Nets saying, you're not playing. Can't do it. And Nick Rolovich, what's he thinking? Wow. Again, just crazy, crazy stuff. All right, Major League Baseball, Braves lead the Dodgers 4-2. to Of course, uh, Astros and Red Sox coming your way here very, very shortly as well. If you missed any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website at tcmartinshow.com. Appreciate Dr. Christina Madison for joining us today. And again, just great insight regarding COVID and everything else on the medical side. Appreciate Chris Bazio for joining us, talking Major League Baseball, the postseason, and Houston Nut College football of course. The former coach done a fantastic job with CBS Sports. Have yourself a good one. We reconvene tomorrow. Tomorrow? We're going to check in with Ballpark Frank as well, too. Yeah. All right. Good to hear from Frank. Take care. Miss any part of the show? You know where to go. Website, TCmartshow.com We reconvene tomorrow at 2 o'clock. Have yourself a great rest of the day.